What's going on, guys? Welcome to Contraindicated, your motivational, inspirational, and informational guidebook to the stuff they don't tell you, the unwritten rules of the medical school process. My name is Joe. I am your host. I'm so excited you're here. Follow me. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. This is episode three. Uh, today is why do I do this? And the reason why we call it why do I do this is because we're going to be talking to somebody very special today. We're going to be talking to someone who has really uh, taken what was given to her, uh, kind of you know, filtered out the BS of life and what life throws at you and has turned um, that BS into a wonderful thing. Um, She is a current medical student in a doctor of osteopathic program. And um, we're going to be talking a little bit about what it means to be a DO as opposed to being an MD and everything that it kind of comes with. Um, really excited. This is kind of our first episode where we're going to be publishing to YouTube uh, via video. And uh, hopefully this puts a face on what we do um, in this podcast, Contraindicated. I hope you love it. Um, please, uh, we talk a lot about the medical school process in this podcast, but there's something that I just want to bring up real quick before we get into this episode and um it's something after recording uh with uh, my guest today that um kind of hit me uh i i just want you to know you know if you're listening whatever it is that you're doing um whether that be medicine or or something completely different um please don't ever 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 let anybody under any circumstance tell you who you're going to be or tell you what you're going to do or tell you that your circumstances don't match up with what your goals are. Okay. Continue to do it. Continue to continue to push. Um, it sounds so cliche to say, don't ever quit. Um, but really, um, it doesn't do you any good to listen to people that are going to try to steer you away from what it is that you want to do um it, it it's it's something that's magical and wonderful it's something that's extremely personal and only you have that fire and that passion within you so whatever it is that you want to do whatever it is that you're dealing with um please don't stop because there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, if you're going through difficult times, if you're going through some struggle right now uh, with your career or with your life, please just remember that this is a season that you're going through and seasons always change. 
Uh, so without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode and let's keep it going, guys. Welcome. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode three of Contraindicated. Um, I am incredibly excited today because this is the first time that we've actually taken some steps to get this podcast kind of out um, on some different channels. And I and and if you've been following this podcast, you know that this we've we've started going on YouTube, like we made a YouTube channel, we got out on Instagram, we started like getting on some different platforms to get this podcast out. Um, I'm really excited today because uh, I have an amazing guest with me and we are going to do the first ever contraindicated video podcast. Uh, Her name is Nicole Del Signore. She is a doctor of osteopathic medical student. She's an OMS2 currently. Um, and she is somebody who's relentless. She's somebody who really embodies what it takes to be told no constantly over and over and over again. It doesn't take no for an answer. And that's why we're here. That's what this is all about. Nicole, I am so excited that you're here. Please, please introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are. Hey, everybody. So that was one heck of a welcome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As you said, I'm Nicole. I'm uh two right now at a do school actually up in um you know the northeast and it's uh it's been quite the journey i'm from boston i lived all over the place lived in arizona florida um indiana you know just a little bit of everywhere dc for a little bit um went to school at uconn and also university of florida so i just have a diverse background and then now i just made it all the way here to to med school and living the dream, really. I mean, it's finally, blind, but hey, finally, okay. right? That's good. That's good. Yeah. So um, Nicole and I know each other uh, from again doing a master's program, and I've talked about it before. Uh, but really, special master's programs or master's programs, post baccalaureates, whatever it is allow you i think nicole to meet so many different people from all these different backgrounds and um i am incredibly grateful that i've been able to meet so many people uh because it allows me to talk to people who want to become do's like yourself people that want to become mds people that want to become pas whatever it is i think it's just such a great baseline um for meeting a lot of people so um i guess Talk about your path or or talk about what it is that got you to where you are today. Like, what was the reason for you to even pursue medicine in the first place? Yeah, so I've gotten that question a lot, but I've actually, like, it always comes up for some reason. When you tell people, like, oh, yeah, I'm in med school, it's always like, oh, why, why choose something so, like, hard and, you know... <laughs> There's no, there's no like moment in my life where I was like, that's what I want to do. It's just something that I think came together over a period of time where like when I was a kid, I, I broke my ankle pretty bad. And, um, there's just like, you know, when you're young and you go to the ER, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of just different things being thrown at you. You know, it's a new environment. You're in pain. It's just, they take you to the x-ray machine and all got to get cast, all that stuff. And I think one of like the most calming presence in that like situation for me was the ER doc. And there was just something about it that I was like, oh, medicine, even from, I think I was 
I was like 10 or 11. It was just such a such an interesting experience. I was kind of like, oh, medicine is pretty interesting. There's a lot to it, you know, and then it also made me a little bit more interested in like, hey, I broke my bone. How's that happen? So that kind of stuff kind of triggered it. And then I think just over time, you know, you you get into science and you get into biology and anatomy and all of that. And you just you kind of have to love it <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But like an appreciation for it and know that it's what you want to do. And I mean, I I did work at a biotech company for a while and I loved that experience, but it's just comparing it. I think I, it's just different. I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that you've always I've always just known, like I've no matter what. I mean, I took me three years to get in, but I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Like you bring it up. It's it's. For me, I, you must have a similar a similar experience to me because I get I do get asked that question quite a bit, and I never know how to answer it. Right, like I never know how to answer that question because for me there was, like you hear people that have, like aha moments where they're like, oh, that's it, like that's what I want to do, right? Or or like you know you hear some stories about like oh you know I. I had a I had a family member who had cancer or I had a family member who like broke their leg or in your in your instance that was that was the case. For me it was kind of like I, I talk about this in a in a previous episode but it was a lot like I just I just liked what I saw when I went to the doctor's office like it was just like being there in the presence of a physician or a PA or a nurse or whatever, like it was almost like they just embodied this thing, this thing that I wanted to be right. Like this, it was like, that's a professional person. Like I want to embody that. I want to be that person almost like, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm really going with that, but I'm just, it was never really an aha moment. It was just, I want to learn about the little things. It's like, it's yeah. what motivates you. Cause you gotta, I mean, to get here, you have to find stuff to keep you motivated. It's, it's just part of part of the grind you can't it, everybody you know gets burnt out at some point but you got to find something and for me that was just along the way like shadowing and doing all that sort of stuff and you know just all of that just those little things where you're like all right it'll be worth it if i just stick it out That's, yeah yeah, it's just a yeah. Feeling, I, <laughs> I agree it's t it's totally right it's so true because it's it's like you get into it you you think you want to do it you get into it you start getting more into it and it's like one of those things that just builds on each other every single time like every day it builds a barn and it's pretty soon before you know it you're like in our position where we're two years into medical school and it's like oh well, okay i guess we're gonna start clinicals now and then we just like fall into it some more like that's it, it's almost like that's it's just the the epitome of medicine almost and and i will talk more about that but um yeah but it's great to hear that you are you know doing your thing and you have a unique position um because you're somebody who uh decided to pursue uh osteopathic medicine as opposed to pursuing the traditional md route or or a pa route or or something like that so why don't you talk a little bit about like where you are now and what the future goals uh, kind of are for you? Yeah, so where I am right now, I'm finishing up. Uh, well, I mean, not it's not true. I'm just starting second year, and we just finished up our neuro block. Um, it's traditionally one of the harder blocks for us, uh, so that's over and done with, thankfully. Um, and then after this, so we go at this school from July to December, and then uh, from about mid-January to your first year ends in May and your second year ends in about mid-April because then we start what's called dedicated right before we take boards our second year. Um, and that's a pretty traditional thing, I think, with all DO schools. It's 
you, you go from whenever they start up until either April or I know that some schools even go until the first week of May. And then they give you about a month or a month and a half to kind of just do nothing but study for boards. Um, and then most students will take their boards in either the end of May or like beginning to mid-June. Um, and then hope you pass. And if you pass, you start, uh, you start clinicals. So that's kind of where I'm at yeah. now, I'm just at that first stage and second year, I guess. Yeah. And so you got to take uh, the first board exam, right? Like that's very similar to what almost every medical student has to do. I mean, and basically every medical student has to do their yeah, first board exam. Yeah. Um, and I know, so, so Nicole and I actually talked before this and we talked about, you know, how, how we were going to set this uh, episode up. But I think it's really important now. I'm, I'm starting to think maybe we should talk a little bit about the differences because the similarities are if you go to, uh, like, let, let's say you go to a state medical school that's MD correlated or you go to a doctor of osteopathic medical school. Um, it's it's kind of hard, like. Like if you are somebody who doesn't know anything about the experience, right? Like if you're if you're on the outside looking in, you and I, we know a lot about it. We're experts in this whole thing because we've done countless years of research on what we want to do, where we want to be, et cetera, et cetera. So um, like every medical student has to take a board exam. What board exam? Like do, are you taking a specific board exam or, or are you taking, you know so what I mean? Students, um, we take, so we have to take the Comlex. We have to take Comlex 1, Comlex 2, and then most students will also take Step 1 and Step 2. Um, it's just, I mean, now boards are pass-fail, so it's, they're not even, but it's just so that residencies can kind of compare to MD students, and also it, it shows them that we can compete with them, because in reality, you know, they don't exactly know what a DO school teaches versus what an MD school teaches. I mean, most residencies do kind of know the difference between MD and DO, but they can't, they can't say like this DO school is just as good as MD school without something to compare them to. And that's kind of why we take step one and step two. I don't know if that's going to become obsolete as boards become pass fail. I don't, I don't really know if that'll change yeah. but just right now. I mean, cause we're going to be, my year's the first year boards. So it might it might change but i know i'll probably end up taking step one and then also complex one yeah and what nicole's talking about right now is really important and i think that i want to get that out there because when nicole said when she said uh, oh i had to take the complex one and the complex two and then some or, or most do students take the step one and the step two there, there's two different boards. Like, there's two different boards of licensing or, 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 or boards of exams for the first board exam of medical school. If you choose to go to a DO program or you choose to go a more traditional route, which is the MD, we're talking about the Comlex versus the USMLE, right? The USMLE is is what most people think of as like the board exam for medical school but then you have this whole other like environment or or school of thought which is osteopathic medicine and that's what this is about nicole like we want to get out what it is to be an osteopathic medical student what that looks like right because yeah 
me for me for me i like i i'm a international medical graduate i go to an offshore medical school i go to st george's university um but in in that same breath i am actually pursuing what's called allopathic medicine i'm at the end of it going to get my md so like that'll be my criteria so to speak i'll have md at the end of my my name uh, a doctor of medicine for Nicole, she is chasing what's called Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. She's going after the credentials. If you want to say it like that, I hate this. It's so stupid. But like let's talk about let's talk about that a little bit more. So for some people, like for for it's so confusing, I think, for patients a lot of the times. Like I I see like just just family members or people that I know, they're like, oh, I just I saw a DO or I saw a DPM or I saw a chiropractor, or I saw uh, an MD, and it's just so confusing. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're all we're so. yeah, so we're yeah. all physicians, and and so so I'll let Nicole explain in a little bit, but just the first thing that I want to say is, if you become a physician, if you are a physician, you are somebody who is going to be um, kind of. Like, how do I put this? A physician is somebody who goes to, they have to do uh, four years of undergrad. They have to get a bachelor's or a, or is it a, it's a bachelor's of science or a bachelor of arts, a four year degree. Uh, Somebody who's accepted into a four year medical university, whether that be a a standard MD school or an osteopathic medical school in Nicole's case. Um, and then those are the people that have to go on and do residency. You have to take the step one. You have to take the complex, whatever it is. Um, and then you have to do residency, which is X, Y, Z years, depending on the specialty. Th- those are physicians. In the umbrella of physicians, we have doctors of osteopathic medicine. And I'll let Nicole talk a lot about uh, what her experience is in osteopathic medicine. And then you have doctors of allopathic medicine i guess it is like i don't really know how to how to like frame it up but there's md and then there's do and in like in the same umbrella of being a physician right yeah so i mean i describe it to people sometimes because i have had um people come up to me and ask like you know how is what you do different than what a chiropractor does because DOs, essentially what we learn is we learn everything that an MD student does. So there's really nothing different between what you're learning and what I'm learning, other than I learn an additional aspect of medicine called osteopathy. And so that's where the whole, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of A.T. Still, but he, you know, came up with this whole uh, just different set of different, different way to treat people called osteopathy, where you use um, different parts of the body and you, you really, it, what it comes down to is knowing anatomy. You have to know anatomy very, very well. So we have a very intense, especially at this school, we have a very intensive anatomy course that we take first year and it's, it's really in depth. And I mean, where some med schools, uh, sorry, some MD schools won't necessarily dissect muscles and bones of the foot, or they don't dissect all the muscles. We pick it all apart and we, we really dig into nerves, arteries veins, muscles, ligaments, all of that. The whole point of knowing that is that you can then use it to, because um, sometimes pain from a cause that people don't even know they have. Uh, Somebody, like for instance, one time I was shadowing an uh, osteopath, which is what people who specialize in it, you can 
specialize in osteopathy and then um so some of them become you know specific to sports meds or some to you know just musculoskeletal pain or there's like a cranium so there's there's different ways within that you can go but basically like i was shadowing one and there was a woman who came in with intense shoulder pain and nobody could figure out what it was she had been to pt it was just something that couldn't wouldn't go away and so after i think three or four visits with him i mean he worked he worked on her shoulder at least three or four times and then the last time she came in well i should say to my knowledge the last time she came in i don't know if she's been back since i was there but he figured out exactly what was causing her pain and it was just like this one small muscle that you have um just like this general area that was tight and it was just something that doesn't really happen in a lot of patients and so the pain that's why she was getting pain in like weird spots and she didn't have a fracture she didn't have a torn ligament and nobody could really figure out what it was and it was just he took a different approach to it and he kind of said okay if i can get all the other muscles in this area to relax then i can maybe figure out what exactly is like causing her pain because if you have tight muscles then you're gonna have pain right and so he kind of took that different approach where if I can, if I can get everything to relax and I can get everything to kind of calm down, look at her shoulder and figure out structurally what's wrong with it. And so that's just kind of one example of a way you can use osteopathy. Um, but there are so many DO students who don't ever use osteopath when they, when they come out. So there's a ton of students who could either go into ER or surgery or um, some go into primary care, you know, they go into every specialty possible. So it's, it's like we learn that extra bit of information so that we have it. And if we ever need to use it, we can, but it's not necessarily something that we all have to specialize in. And that's kind of what makes us different from MD students, because, um, that's just not part of your education, I guess. And that's why like we can take, um, the USMLE step one, but MD students can't take the COMLEX because if they did, they wouldn't pass the osteopathic part of it. Like they could, you could pass probably our medical knowledge part of it, but then our osteopathic and clinical skills, you wouldn't, you just don't learn it. So that's all, that's like the only difference. And then when you compare it to like what a chiropractor does, the way that I tell people is that, so MD students and DO students, we're the only ones who can prescribe meds. We're the only ones who learn enough about pharmacology and physiology and just all of that sort of stuff that we can prescribe medication. Whereas like, if you go to see someone like a chiropractor or something, they're good at what they do, but they're only good at what they do. Does that make sense? Like they, they yeah, that... so specialized that they, they can only do what they're specialized in and they don't learn everything that we learn. And cause I have gotten that question, like, oh, how is being an osteopath different from a chiropractor? And it's like, it's, yes, we learn like part of what they, like they, what they learn is just a part, one single part of what we learn as a whole, I guess. And they, they do spend more time on that and they like, they really specialize in it, but then they can't go on to prescribe meds. They can't go into ER. They can't, you know, they can't do all the things that MDs and DOs can do. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important to note too um, in that's in, in the, in the topic of, you know, like prescribing meds, um, we have, at least in the U S I mean, there's countless, not countless. I mean, there's so many different, uh, routes of medicine that you can go down where you can actually prescribe meds. I think, 
I think it really what it boils down to is is what you specialize in um, and how much school you are actually going to attend to. So what Nicole is talking about is MD and DOs are kind of in this breadth of we go through four years of, of, of undergrad, we go through four years of medical school, and then we have to do residency training where we're training in a certain specialty. Uh, and, and, and so... In saying that, we've got all of that, all of that uh, uh, basic knowledge from undergrad, and then we've got all that basic knowledge from medical school, where two of like the first two years are all didactic, so we're just like learning medicine, right? And then the second two years are all clinical rotations, where we're actually like rotating in a hospital or a clinic and learning from other physicians, other PAs, other nurses, APRNs, maybe some doctors of podiatric medicine, maybe doctors of, of chiropractic. Um, and so we get that like full breadth of knowledge before we're actually even able to start a residency. That's like learning how to do our specialty. So there's so much learning. And I think that's kind of what separates MDs and DOs from the rest of the pack, right? Is like how much school is involved uh, because MD and MDs and DOs can prescribe you, right? But so can, like let's say PAs or or nurse yeah, practitioners, they're, they're under, right? A doc, they're under a physician, so it's like I exactly. Guess, I guess in some states, because of the lack of physicians and the need for just the need for medical personnel, they can. But in most states, I'm pretty sure they have to work under a physician, or they have to. They can be um, their own independently, but then they're overseen by a physician. Or something right. Like Right. Yeah. So so where we're kind of going with this is the whole fact that um, MDs and DOs are pretty much in the same category when it comes to being a physician and taking care of a patient's needs. Right. Like taking care of a patient, MDs and DOs are in the same arena on the same um, hierarchical chart, I guess you can say. Um, it's so hard to describe yeah. it because, you know, like. We, we're, we're still medical students, so we don't really know how the hierarchy works, like in the hospital. I mean, you might, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you've worked, you, have you worked in a hospital or, or like a clinic? I, ha I mean, yeah, I've shadowed in hospitals yeah. and stuff, and I've worked with nurses who worked le right alongside the physicians. I mean, it's, it's about, in the hospitals, I would say a lot of it comes down to, a lot of it comes down to who's there day in and day out. I mean, I've seen nurses that know patients better than most physicians ones next to the patient's bedside the whole time you know so it's every i think that everyone in role it's just the role they play is different and all physicians play is the one that's technically supposed to be overseeing the care for the patient as a whole like you have to look at every aspect and that's i don't know if they teach you kind of in md schools but one thing that do schools really focus on is like the whole mind body spirit aspect and so it's all they one of the big like osteopathic tenants is that it's all connected and so you can't physically make someone better if their like spirit is just not there like if they just don't want to get better there's nothing you can do like you have to fix every aspect of that person before you can just treat um you know what whatever is like physically presenting that's wrong with them and that's i don't know if, i don't know if that's an md thing too but that's definitely a big do thing um that you'll hear but it just it just goes back to being like you know, the physician is the one who has to look at all the, all the different aspects. And the physician is the one who has to take into account um, 
you know, like all the different meds, or they should be taken into account, I should say, like all the different meds the patient's on and all the different conditions. And they're the ones who should be kind of looking at all of that. And then, you know, you can't do any of it without the nurses doing everything that they do, all the day-to-day -day work, all, all of that stuff. So it is, it does come down, I think a little bit to just how much education we get and also in an ask in, in a way like i'm not taking away from it but i think the intensity of the education is a little bit different for us because um it's so much so quickly and then it's it's a big responsibility like in the in the end it's you know it's it's our it's our next on that we're sticking out for you know it's yeah so yeah right so like the physician like the physician is though it, they might they might see they might not see the patient but a couple of times in the patient's entire stay like let's say in an in an er or if they're staying you know it, it, like um if they're if they're staying in house at the hospital or something like that like the patient the, the doctor might not see them but a couple of times and they've seen you know a nurse they've seen a pa they've seen you know countless other individuals who've taken care of them but it's the physician that makes the ultimate decision on that patient's care so i i think that's kind of where you're going with that right yeah that that was ultimately what i was getting at and that's just why i think um things are so different because it's it's just the education we get and versus yeah you know like we don't learn some stuff that nurses learn i've, I've helped one of my best friends is a nurse and I helped her study for the NCLEX. And I mean, we have not learned some of that stuff, but it's also, it's different because we're not, we're not going to use that stuff. So it's just all comes down to the different types of education that will ultimately define your role in the healthcare system. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. The difference between MDs and DOs is really, it's not that much other than DOs learn a little bit more. Yeah. So would you say, so would you say, would you say that, you know, like if somebody's having it's almost it's almost as if you've kind of framed it up in such a way where it's like if you have shoulder pain, go see a D.O. Right. I mean, but like that's not the case. Could. Right. I mean, you it, I mean, it's it's just go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, but you could. It's I, I think. Um, and granted, I'm only a year and two months into really learning. So there's, still you know, six or seven months left for me to learn about osteopathy. But. Yeah, if you have like musculoskeletal pain, I think personally, it's I mean, sometimes they will refer you to PT, but a lot of times they won't. A lot of times they can they can help you with that. I mean, there's just so many different techniques we learn about using um, using the body's own like energy and just using what the body has to offer without really having to push medications. And don't get me wrong, a good DO will know when to prescribe meds. Because if you have a patient who comes in and they have muscle, like musculoskeletal problems, but their muscles are just spasming and they're in so much pain and they can't, they can't move. And, you know, they come home from work and they're exhausted. And it's, it's like their back is in so much pain. Then the odds are they probably need some sort of muscle relaxer. And unfortunately, because of the DO education, some, some osteopaths don't necessarily like to prescribe meds but then a lot of them will and i think that's an important distinction too is because md students <laughs> i don't think they hesitate as much to prescribe certain medications whereas like a do student might and it all just comes down to training and where it's from and all of that sort of stuff but 
yeah, I think if you have any sort of musculoskeletal pain, you, you should go see a DO and just see, because why not? If nothing else is working for you, you might as well. I mean, I, I believe in it. I think it's great. There's some things that I question every once in a while, but for the most part, I think it's, I think it's a really good tool to have in my toolbox, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Um, I don't, I can't say like from my experience that we've learned, um, anything like what you've kind of talked about is more like, it's almost like you've, you've learned this extra skill that's allowed you to manipulate the body in such a way, uh, to relieve symptoms of pain or like musculoskeletal issues. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, but then like, I, I guess I just want to ask, yeah. is there, is there like anything else? Like, uh, like maybe, maybe not specifically just like musculoskeletal pain, but you talk a lot about the mind, body, spirit. Um, what besides like those manipulative techniques that you're learning as a DO, is there, are there anything else that you get when you talk about that whole mind, body, spirit thing that, a patient would rather see a DO for that as opposed to somebody who is in my situation as an MD. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes down to training, right? Because if you are a good MD student and you really care about your patients, then you're going to want to know how they're doing mentally. You're going to want to know all those different things. You're going to want to take the time to kind of, even though it's so rushed a lot of time with our patients, like you're going to want to take the time to get to know them. DO or MD, but I think with DO, they put more emphasis on it in our training. So they put in, um, like we have standardized patients sometimes. And my last one was someone who she just had something, it was like carpal tunnel or something pretty obvious. But the big thing that I was really supposed to pick up on was that she was very concerned about her finances. And so she was having trouble with that because I mean, it's all fake. It's all just a standardized case, but she was having issues with that. And so it was something that I had to be aware of. And I had to say, you know, I hear your concerns. I'm going to do everything I can to treat this without surgery. I'm going to do like everything in my power to kind of make sure that we don't overcharge you for unnecessary things. And just, you have to kind of know that you have to make the patient feel comfortable. And then you also have to look at it from another perspective and say, okay, are you like mentally okay with this? Are you, are you struggling from a mental health perspective because of your finances? Is it, impacting your life in another way. It's just, it's really taking the time to kind of not just focus on her carpal tunnel, you know, like that's what she came in complaining of, but then you have to look at all these different aspects. And that's kind of what I meant by the mind, body, spirit thing. I don't know if that kind it. Of clears it up or. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, it clears it up. I, I mean, we go through, we go through empathy training. So at my school, you know, we go through empathy training where we, where we have to figure out like all these other different criteria, like why, you know, why a patient might uh, not be adhering to their medication therapy, right? Like if they're, if they're um, non-compliant with their medications, we, we, it's something that we kind of have to figure out, but it seems like um, as a, a doctor of osteopathic medicine, um, as a student of osteopathic medicine, it seems a lot like um, you're trying to get down to, what is causing this certain disorder um, and trying to nip it in the bud as opposed to maybe um, treating the symptom. 
That's kind of what it seems like to me. It is it is a lot of um, like prophylactic medicine, I guess, in a, yeah. in a sense that if I if I can talk to her about any sort of issues she's having with her mental health because of her finances that could potentially be causing depression or something else down the road, then I absolutely want to do that. I, I want to take that into account. And at the same time, I want to know uh, the best way to talk to her about certain things, because odds are if she did need surgery for carpal tunnel down the road, then that's a conversation I'm going to have to approach lightly or in a specific way. So it's, it's just something that they, they kind of drill into us to get us to look at things from a different perspective, I guess. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. I, I, um, I, there's some things that you just told me that I had no idea about. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, what people should know that are going to listen to this that maybe not know about, you know, what uh, the differences between an MD and a DO. I think it's really important to know that MDs and DOs are in the same category, so to speak, as a treating physician. So they're a physician first and foremost. Um, DOs uh, like medicine is medicine, but D it's it's um, trying to think like how to, how I could put it in a different way to describe it. It's almost like two different schools of thought that kind of converge at the same point. Um, you go through two different schools of thought. Uh, you learn the same medicine. You might learn more. Uh, you you learn obviously you learn more about you know the musculoskeletal system. You learn more about. Uh, manipulation, uh, ma manipulating the body in um, DO school, um, but we all converge at the same point, and we all are physicians at the end of the day. So whether you're seeing a DO or you're seeing an MD or you're thinking about going to MD school or DO school, um, I'm going to provide some like links in the show notes about you know, um, the differences and some of the things that you can read up on, because we're not going to talk about that here. People can get all that kind of information, but I think it's really important to get people to to know, like from our perspective, what it is and 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 how how you have to go through the process and the things that you have to go through. Um, and in that same breath, like Nicole has just been talking a lot about, you know, they learn all this extra stuff about anatomy. They do it in the same time that somebody like me is doing it. So not only am I going to medical school for four years and have to learn everything that I have to learn, but DO students have to learn everything that I learn in four years, plus this extra tool in their tool belt, which is, what did you, what was it that you called the, oh, the um, osteopathy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Osteo yeah. It's, it's OMM is basically. It's OMM. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, really if you are going to, I mean, don't listen to this podcast too to, uh, you know, may, maybe you do, maybe you listen to this episode and you think, oh, well, maybe I should, what do I, sh which, who should I see? Should I see an MD or should I see a DO? I don't think you should make that decision from this podcast alone, but here's just some background information about the steps that it takes to get to become a physician um, in the U.S. And in the U.S., we have both MDs, uh, doctors of medicine, as well as DOs, uh, doctors of osteopathic medicine. So I think I think we've given I think we've given a pretty thorough explanation. Um, if you have more questions, please uh, reach out to us. But I really, Nicole, I kind of want to talk about um, your path because I think, like in my uh, journey before medical school, um, there's a lot of talk 
there's like a lot of talk about um oh uh go to a do school or go to an md school or go to xyz school and and sorry my cat's uh my cat's being a little needy right now but um talk to us about your journey from step a being you know getting into undergrad or or your thoughts of deciding to do medicine from the beginning um to kind of where you are now and what i'd really like to focus on is like your path because they the, the the main goal is to go from high school and then you you know you get into uh, um, an undergrad institution and then you take the MCAT and then you get acceptance to a medical school and a lot of times that's not really what happens um, so for you um, how did how did you get to where you are right now from let's say the beginning uh, from undergrad tell the people about that. God and my support system. No. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I mean, really, those two are pretty important. But the journey itself, I guess, um, UConn, because things started to kind of scatter for me. So, I uh, obviously went to UConn. I was on the rugby team. I did a lot of different things um, to kind of boost my resume, do things that I thought would make me well rounded. I mean, I did research at UConn. I did, um, I shadowed over the summer at some hospitals near, with some doctors near my, my parents' hometown, like where my parents lived. Um, I just, I was on the rugby team. I, you know, I, I did all these things that made me well-rounded, essentially. And then when the time came, I took the MCAT. Um, I don't actually remember my MCAT score. It was a mm, 402, 403. I don't, I don't even remember. Um, but Basically, I applied out of out of UConn. Um, I actually graduated a semester early. It should have been funny story. It should have been a year early. Oh, that's but... right. That's right. Yeah. That, I forgot about that. Yeah, so you you graduated met you graduated undergrad early, right? I did. I graduated. So I personally still think I graduated a year early, but I didn't have my language credits. I was shy of one language class from graduating a year mm. early. And they wouldn't let me take it over the summer, so they made me come back and take it uh, in the fall. And so my fall senior semester, if you can call it that, I literally took one Spanish class. I mean, but otherwise, yeah, I graduated graduated early, took the MCAT, um, was applying for school, and didn't get in. Um, bottom line, I applied MD, DO. I didn't really, at the time, understand the difference. I just knew apply to as many places as you can and hope um, but I didn't get in um, uh, kind of unfortunate at the time but I'm actually really glad about the way everything worked out because um, I went and I for a while I uh, didn't really know what I was going to do I looked into maybe going to PA school I looked at PT school I looked at kind of just finding another option and then um, a friend of my mom's actually Put me in touch with someone um, out in St. Louis, and she is on the board of admissions, I believe, out there for a med school. And she told me, "Go get a master's." She said, "You know, go get your master's of, of, of science from anywhere. Um, find a place that is still accepting students." Because at the time I talked to her, it was uh, like 
end of May, first week of June. So it was, it was late to have to be applying because I was trying to do something starting in that fall. And she said, you know, if you can find one, you can start in the fall, go and go get it. And so I found one, I applied and I went. Um, and it was a big step because it was a place that I had never been before. I moved out there all by myself. I'm super thankful for my family who was able to help me move out there and support me and just kind of push me along and be like, look, we know, we know you're alone. We know it's gonna be hard, but like, you got it. Keep up, keep up with it. And that's, you know, that's where I met you. It's where I met some really good friends that I still have. It's, it's turned out to be a great experience, even though the master's program itself wasn't the greatest program. And I mean, I stuck it out. I got my master's. Um, and then from there, I also, oh, I also should say while I was there, I found some couple good mentors. And that has been key because those are people that I have kept in contact with up to like a month ago. I just talked to one of them. So find, find some good mentors if you can. Um, I definitely recommend that. And then from there, I applied again and didn't get in. And so at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I've applied two years in a row. My MCAT, you only get it for, I think, three years or maybe it was four, but I had wasted a year or something. I don't know. But I only had one more year where I could apply with my MCAT and so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to job. I have my master's. I live in Boston. It's a huge biotech area. Might as well see if I can just get something. And I ended up, di I, I did. I ended up, because of my master's, I, I was able to get a really good job. And I was really fortunate that um, the company was amazing. They treated me really well. It was my first real job. And my boss was amazing. I, I really couldn't have lucked out any better than I did. Um, and then you had you had research experience in your master's program, right? I did. Yeah, I did. If so I, I do, did if I remember in undergrad and for my master's, um, that was also like that's how we had to do a capstone. Um, that was my yeah. capstone was that research project. So that worked out pretty well for me. And then that also helped spring me into the biotech company, I should say, like that definitely made a difference. And then, yeah, and then from my biotech company, I was like, you know what? I have this one year left for my MCAT. Why not? Like, I might as well just throw out some applications, see what lands. And if not, worst case scenario, I still have a really good job. Um, and so I applied to a few places. I got waitlisted at the place I am at now. And ironically, I got an interview out um, at a school out west and my interview was scheduled for two days after I got into this school. So once I got into this school, I said, yeah, it's my number one. That's where I want to go. I just canceled my interview. And I hope that whoever got the interview in my place, you know, they really needed it, wanted it, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, then I started and we kind of got hit with COVID. So that was a weird transition. But yeah, I started last year and it's been it's been interesting to say. The OK, least. OK, hold on. I'm going to stop you here. OK, hold on. Listen to me, okay? Listen. Listen to what we're telling you right now. If you are watching this right now, I want you to listen, and I want you to listen close. If you didn't hear anything that Nicole just said, rewind this podcast and listen to everything she just said and put it in your mind, okay? What do we talk about here on Contraindicated? We talk about... What, what do I say? I, I say all the time. I say I'm not going to give you the information because the information's out there. It's for you to get. On your own, you can get the basic information. What we do here is we talk about 
everything that could possibly happen to you from point A to point Z, point Z being you getting that medical school acceptance. What did Nicole just say? Nicole, she graduated from her undergrad. She talked to somebody who was on a medical uh, uh, on a you it was on a medical school admissions board, right? Yes. Yep. Out in the Midwest. Uh, she had the contacts. She had, she had the contacts. She took the MCAT. Uh, she had a bachelor's degree. She went out to do a master's program. Uh, she decided to apply again. And then she worked for a biotech company in Boston, Massachusetts. Listen, this is, this is, this is the nitty gritty. And this is the beauty of this podcast. Okay. When you get, when you start to think to yourself, I want to be a physician. What, what happened to me is I thought that there was this formula that I needed to achieve. And when that formula started not working, I had to do some other things to try to figure out what I was going to do. But in my mind, I knew that at the end of it, I was going to become a physician. And this is what I want you guys to listen to right now is Nicole had in her mind this entire time. Now, now we're talking years, right? We're talking years, right? We're talking from UConn to the special master's program to, uh, you know, um, you know, meeting people who told her to do the special master's program to, to networking with people who are in research, to doing a research project, to doing a capstone project, to then working in a biotech company, and then finally getting an acceptance to a medical program. She never, ever, ever had it at, like out of her mind that she was going to be a physician, right? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. There. So if, if, if anything, if you get anything from this conversation right now, there are going to be times in your life that if you if you're listening to this right now, there are gonna be times in your life where you're gonna to have to make a decision. And that decision's gonna be one that you don't wanna make. You don't wanna I didn't want I didn't want to go to a special master's program. I wanted to just do apply I wanted to apply to medical school and get in. I knew I wanted to be a physician, right? Like yeah. that's what we wanna do. And if you're here listening to this, I hope that that's what you wanna do. Um but we're here right now to tell you that. This is something like I'm trying to think like like don't forget about life in the journey because we have gone through a lot. You know, Nicole and I have gone through a lot like you guys know that I went to a, a master's program. I worked for a few years just like Nicole has. We've been told no countless times by countless people and it's something that we never stopped having in our heart and in our mind that we were going to become a physician. And that's why we're here right now talking to you all. Um, so you know, <laughs> there's going to be times in your life. Like you said, Go ahead. There's, there's, you had this formula in your mind, right? But there is no formula. There's no, there's no X plus Y equals Z. It's just, you got to do what you got to do. And if you want it bad enough, if you have it in your mind, this is what you want. You do whatever it is you got to do to get there. Like, we didn't want to do the special master's program. We didn't want to spend a year of our lives out there grinding as hard as we did and not even knowing for sure if we'd get into med school, but you have to take that chance if that's what you want. I mean, because you can't just, you can't, you can't have, I know someone who had a nearly perfect MCAT score and got into one school. Like 
there is no formula. There is no like do this and this and this and you'll get in. It's just it's so true. Not give up. That's the that's the key. Is you just have to keep keep going and you can't you can't stop until you either get what you want or you think you have truly tried every single option and then you just you have you're at the point where you have Listen, to Listen. We don't quit around here, okay? If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're subscribed to this podcast, we don't quit around here. And like I don't care what it is you want to do, like I don't care if you if you decide that like going to PA school or like or like, you know, getting your maybe going to nursing school or something like that is something you want to do. I don't care. Like you're not listening to this podcast to get uh maybe you should do this because we've been told that so many different times and we're here doing the thing that we want to do and we haven't even gotten there yet. But there's so much enjoyment like in the game and in the mental game and in the struggle there's been so much enjoyment that we've had um we've met so many people we've 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 had so many different experiences that are just you wouldn't be able to get if you didn't um so i guess what i'm trying to say is like if this is a journey that you're going to go on and and there's going to be so many different episodes where we talk about these types of things and these types of experiences um just know that you're you're almost like in it like Go into it with the like with the mindset that you're gonna have an experience and you're gonna have a journey, and you'll be just so much more happy. Like you'll be so much happier. Like I wish I told myself that in the beginning, like because I was like, oh, you know, like oh, this the, something's happening. Like I, my 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 application screwed up, so this is what I'm gonna fix, and I'm gonna try to check some boxes. And then I got frustrated when it didn't happen. But like the things, like I, I don't want to mean to be corny, but the things that happened along the way are things that I'll never be able to. Like, they're just things that happened. Like, I know so many people and I've had so many experiences that I would never have had if I didn't, you know? Yeah, and I mean, we also, for those of you listening out there who aren't in med school right now, we do know that hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, in the moment, it's a lot harder to have that perspective and to be like, oh, yeah, this you're is so right. shape me into the... <laughs> it's, it's stressful, we know, we've been there. It's just... From our perspective, looking back, I think is the the key thing here. But like, don't, <laughs> yeah, just have faith in yourself. I guess too is a big thing. But Nicole, Nicole, let me let me ask you. Um, we're getting a little bit to the end of our time here, um, but let me just ask you. Um, why? Like, I know we just kind of like took this in a different direction. Like, this is why I want to talk about this. Um, you've had such an incredible journey, and you've been relentless in your pursuit. And that's the contraindicated way. Um, like, like, Can I get why is it worth it? <laughs> well, yeah, abso- I will absolutely, I will absolutely send you. I'm going to, uh, you know what? I'm going to log in after we're done here and I'm going to go get some stickers. Make and I, I hope, I hope that it's on your car, on your laptop and, and everything else. Um, no, like, why is it worth it? Tell me, like, like, why, why, why do it? Why go through the pain? Why go through the anguish? Why do it? I literally just had this conversation with someone this weekend. I was like, neuro was, he was asking me about neuro. It was so stressful. Like it was a wild experience is the best way I can explain it. And he, I was telling him, I was like, I left a good job for this. I'm like in debt. I'm stressed. I'm tired. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, but it's going to be worth it. Right. And I was like, I looked at him and I was like, okay. Yeah, like when I am out there and when I help someone, 
it's going to be worth it because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. about coming out, being a good doctor and helping people. That's, that's why we're here. We're not here. If you're here to make money, if you're here to do anything other than to help get out, like it, <laughs> this is not for you. This is, there are plenty of other ways to make money. This is so, not, this is not the pathway to go. If you're trying to make money, believe yeah. me, no way. No, I, it, oh, because no. at the end of the day, when, when you help someone, even if it's something as simple as like, I don't know, just, I don't know, helping someone in the small, putting a bandaid on, I don't know, something as small, like as small as possible that you could probably think it's going to be worth it because it's, you're given a gift by going to med school, right? Like it's, it doesn't feel like a gift while you're here, trust me, but it is a gift. And I do have to kind of remind myself of that because there's plenty of people who want to be in my shoes and aren't. And that's the thing is like, you got to look at it. Like you're given the opportunity to help people in a way that they almost can't help themselves sometimes because they just don't like, I mean, not everybody can be a doctor. It's just the, it's just the way things are. I mean, yeah. you know, not everybody can be a healthcare professional. So like they can't even do sometimes things that nurses will do or whatever. But when you are given that gift and you can, you can help someone in that way that they can't really help themselves, then it's, it's all worth it. Hopefully. Yeah. You have like, you have a skill, right? Like you, you, um, people ask me, you know, why I wanted to go into medicine and it's like, I couldn't think of anything else because like when we graduate, we, it's almost like, it's almost like we have this skill that nobody else has that we It's like a real can, trade school. <laughs> yeah. Like we can, we can like provide to the public, even if we're not like on call or like, you know, we're, we're, we're like getting paid by this, hospital or we have our own private practice and we're there and we, we're seeing patients hour by hour but like even just in our own lives like we're physicians right we are doctors of medicine we know everything there is to know about medicine and we can practice that even like when we're just kind of chilling and we don't we're not like working right like we know all these things and so there's so many different like pathways you can go like you know so much you have this baseline you can go sit in on conferences or go sit on on research boards and you have something to say. You have something to provide um, at, at any time, really. Yeah, I mean, literally anywhere because I'm even I'm on a search and rescue team um, up here because where I am, I'm, I'm near some mountains and so people get lost. <laughs> so it, no way. Just, That's cool. Yeah. And it's the, the team leader. It was actually funny because he looked at me and he goes, you can like, it's kind of this process of getting trained and doing all this stuff. And during the training, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to have someone with more medical experience coming along with me than, you know, I would be just some, some regular guy, because at the end of the day, it's, I mean, if he comes across a patient with, and he has no medical training, I mean, he can help him to the best of his ability. Everybody has to take a first aid class, but when you're, you expand from that first aid knowledge or like you, you surpass that and he, he can't do anything anymore. And so that's kind of where we come in, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're providing a service, you know, like you are a physician, you you've gone through all of this BS to get to where you are because you wanted it so much. Um, like even it, like if you wanted to go into the military, you know, like you could go to the military and provide medical service. Like you are, I think it's like 1% of the population or something like that. That's like, you know, has this knowledge, but anyway, we're getting almost to the end of our time here, Nicole. Let me ask you a couple more questions because I know, like, if you if you don't listen to all this entire podcast, 
give me like if you can give me like three of the most important bits of advice for someone like you trying to become a doctor of osteopathic medicine like what are what like give me like three of the most important things that, and it doesn't even have to be like um you know like get a good mcat score or like get a good gpa like don't like don't think about that just like on the top of your head like soft skills like soft things that you would say that you wouldn't expect or or whatever it is that you would give somebody who's like just about to go into this journey yeah so i guess the biggest things for me i mean number one like have faith in a good support system like have faith in yourself have faith that you know you're gonna make it there and get yourself that good support system because whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, whether it's just anyone, the people you work with, anyone, get that. Because you really, even if it's one person, just to kind of push you along, there's there's times when everybody wants to quit, right? And all you really need is like that one person just kind of being like, no, dude, you got this, keep going. Like, you're gonna get there. And so I think, you know, that kind of goes along with having faith in yourself and stuff and whatnot, because uh, for me, it's just it's kind of how i got here <laughs> so that's one yeah. i guess two that's really important advice like i'll just debrief on that for a second i think that's extremely important advice because um like at least for me after high school like i kind of lost all of that because i was one of the only ones to actually pursue this pathway of getting into medical school um, and it seemed like after a few years, like people started not understanding what it was that I was talking about. All my old friends, like even my family started not getting it. And like, it was always kind of like, oh, Joe's still in school. Oh my God. Like, you know, you're going to have these people in your life that like friends, like from high school or college friends or what have you, that are going to go on and they're going to do their life. They're going to go, you know, buy a house. They're going to go get married. They're going to have a dog. And you're going to be like looking on Instagram, looking on Facebook, and you're like, oh, man, like I wish I was doing that. Listen, this is something like you just need to know that you're in a community. When you start getting into this community, there's so many people that have been through what you're through. Um, like there's so many people here. Get that support system. Like Nicole said, start reaching out to people who are in your in your in your path um, and lean on them uh, and, and just kind of have that support system via what it is that you're doing because a lot of people don't get it so that's just a debrief on that first thing what's the second thing uh okay the second thing i would say find a way to de-stress like mm. this whole process is so so stressful i mean the application process the mcats whether or not you're going to get in interviewing mm. all of it and there's really i know why they do it because it is hard and it, it does take a lot to get through it but find a way, find a way to not let it get to you. Because I mean, for me personally, like I was just hiking this past weekend and everybody who knows me, my, my boyfriend, my mom, everyone was like, it's a great thing you went hiking because we just ended our neuro block and I was super stressed and I just needed, I needed to, to get out. I needed, I needed that. And there's so many different things. And I know people around here, like one of my friends cooks, that's her time is she cooks and she, she's an amazing cook. It's just what, what keeps her from being pushed overboard, I guess. And that is something I even told my, um, 
first student who I was paired up with, because she asked me, she was like, do you take days off on the weekends? And I was like, yes, absolutely. There are times when... Sometimes, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I take two. Yeah, ooh, sometimes <laughs> two. But no, because there's times when you can't, right? There's times when you yeah. have to just grind and you can do nothing but grind and that's it. But then when you can, take the opportunity to de-stress, no matter where you are in the process, whether you're just applying or you're still an undergrad or you're in med school or no matter what you're doing, take a break. It's not... So important. Yeah. Because you're not, you're so not going to get the quality work done if, you're, if your brain's not in it. If, you, if you're too stressed, you're too high strung, it's not going to work. Especially, um, especially if you don't have like, I would say especially if you don't have like the normal path like we didn't. You know, both Nicole and I um, went through this pathway like, like, I don't even know. It was just, we, we, did, we did, there was no straight path. It was all over the place. And so like, we worked, you know, like I had a corporate job uh, before I started my master's program. You know, you did research. I worked as a pharmacy technician for a little while. I did the whole nine to five thing. So like I knew like, OK, from nine to five, I was going to work. And then at five o'clock it was done. And then I didn't have to do it until the next day. Uh, when you get into this type of workload that is medical school, you are going to be so bogged down because it's there. Like the lines are blurred, right? There is no nine to five anymore. No. There is there is an all day long. You have an exam to study for. You have to do well on this exam. Oh, and then by the way, at the end of this two years, then you have to do your step one exam. So that's on the horizon as well. So there is no more like nine to five type of thing. And even when you become a physician, you become an attending or a resident. There is no nine to five anymore. If you're looking for a nine to five gig, don't go into medicine unless you are really lucky and get into like dermatology or something. And we can talk about that at another time. But yeah. anyway, um, give us one last bit of advice, Nicole. One last bit of advice. Um, sorry, I just got a call. I think. No, that's all right. My last bit of advice, as cliche as it sounds, because you've said it over and over and over, but just seriously, don't give up. And it's it's so ironic because this morning I was looking at like my Facebook and um, you know how it gives you like those memories? Yeah, well, yeah. Somebody posted on my I, uh, Facebook wall, I don't even know, timeline, I don't know what it's called anymore. But 10 years ago on this day, somebody posted a quote that they said reminded them of me. It was from Michael Jordan and it's, do you care if I read it? No, 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 go ahead, do it. Yeah, it was, so it's, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. And honestly, like, it's so, I mean. I will say that's the most cliche. That's the most cliche thing that you could ever say, but it's so, so true. Like, like it, 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 like that, I mean, it's, when you embody that, like, when you actually think about that quote, how, I mean, how many how many times are you going to be tested until you decide that you're worth it enough to keep being tested even when that test doesn't go right, right? Like, how many, like, what is it within yourself that's going to say, I don't care that I didn't do well. I don't care that I didn't hit the shot. I don't care that I didn't get into medical school this time. What am I going to do next? What's the next step that I'm going to take to get to what it is that I want to do, because if you have that mentality and that's why we're here, if you have that mentality, I promise you, you're going to get to where you want to be. 
Nicole, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. I think this went really well. I think people are going to love this episode. I think people are going to love you. They already love me, so. but they're going to love you. <laughs> yeah. This was awesome. Yeah. 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 So this is great. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Until next time, this is Contraindicated. Thanks, guys. Say bye, Nicole. Bye. Thank you. And go Pats. Ha, 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 ha.